0: I know I like said some stuff that I know is going to get cut. Oh, a lot of it's uh,
1: going to get cut. Yeah. But <laughs> this episode was six minutes long.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome to why is this good a podcast by the naples writers workshop i'm christine and i'm here with john hey john hello okay it's my turn and i picked a story called woman at exhibition by e lily Yu, who we have featured before
1: very recently too very recently yeah cartographer wasps and anarchist bees
0: yes did you pick that one
1: you picked that one yeah
0: it took me forever to like remember the name even i was like i feel like i know her name what did she write what did she write and i just like it wasn't until i had read it twice that i like looked her up again and i was like oh shit because i knew that she was a sci-fi writer she writes in that vein a lot this is weird so this is another one by her i forget how i found it it's the way i've been finding everything and i had not read it but i skimmed i think to the point where i saw that she eats this painting (laughs) it's about a woman that eats a painting okay at the end of the room, she came to Le Pont Royal. Estelle studied the smooth sand, the high-roofed pavilion de floor, the bridge arcing into the gilt baguette frame. The painting was slightly broader than her shoulders, warm as an embrace, and it smacked of youth's blunt, determined mimicry. Nothing in it foreshadowed the stormy colors and geometries to the older hopper. He might have been pleasant to kiss at that age, she thought. As she stood there, considering the creamy canvas, she discovered that she was hungry. No, not hungry, but starving. Her stomach twisted with want, without comprehending what she did or why, knowing all that her need was urgent and overwhelming, Estelle stepped forward and bit into Le Pont Royal. The hundred-year-old canvas yielded to her teeth. She gripped the frame tightly and chewed and tore, her mouth filled with thick, bitter chips, butter, river blue, shingle, cloud, sky. Distantly, as if through a fog, she could hear shouting. Hands seized her shoulders, but Estelle clutched the painting and ate and ate. Not until she had swallowed half the canvas did she come to herself. The white walls, the wooden floor, the heavy smell of linseed, the hubbub of voices all crashed in upon her senses. Estelle licked her lips tasted metal and gagged her teeth were coated with powder dried paint flecked her blouse mouth and chin the remnants of le Pont royal hung sadly in their frame still attached to the wall Okay, so like I said, I hadn't read it, but when I realized that that's what happened, I was like, "Cool, I'm on board." When you first read it, you don't know why she does this. It just seems like one of those intrusive thoughts, and I think we've all had intrusive thoughts like that. Yeah. And it's not like "What if I ate the painting?" But it's more like "What if I did this horrible thing?" You know, like yeah. (laughs) Especially in places like museums or wherever where it's like it's supposed to be like some kind of decorum. Yeah.
1: Somebody comes up and says, "You're standing too close to that painting." Right. Like
0: I'm gonna eat it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like I'm doing. Doing something
1: <laughs> the way she described it though it's a creamy canvas. What was the other there was another word in there but it was described in a very uh, delectable way. Yes. I was like I know why you're eating that canvas. Yeah, it <laughs> does
0: it does sound good. I would go for that. <laughs> so, I was kind of like in because of that and then I didn't really know where the story was going to go and I don't really think I expected it to go where it went, you know. No.
1: It's inevitable though. It's is a it, surprise, but it's inevitable.
0: I don't know. This one was so weird to me. I liked it by the end. I think it you didn't read the interview with her but she does an interview in this magazine when it's published to talk about hopper and his wife and their real art that's what i was curious
1: about i was curious about how real
0: yeah apparently like this is pretty accurate from what I remember in terms of like the fact that they're married and they both paint and like all wives she's the lesser known and the interview talks a lot about how even if you don't read the interview you can appreciate from the story that Estelle the main character is married to a a fellow musician right they're both artists and at the very beginning he basically kicks her out of the house so he can work on his shit he's like well I gotta do mine and she's like okay I guess I'll do mine somewhere else
1: That beginning with him and like how he's like being so mean to her and so rude. And then (laughs) she's like, he kissed her on the cheek or something and she's just melted. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) I know.
0: <laughs> yeah she's like oh I love him so yeah he prizes his own work over hers even though they're like in the same field <laughs> it's terrible and it's bizarre too that the person closest to you who you know he probably on some level likes that she does what he does but you kind of realize it's not because he thinks what she does is good it's just that maybe she understands his work better you know what I mean and maybe he's not directly worried about any kind of like competition but all that kind of plays into the hoppers so so Edward Hopper is better known, obviously, than his wife. I didn't even know he had one until I was reading this. And I'm familiar with these paintings that they're talking about. So there's like all of the comparisons between the, the types of work that they do and the like. And then by the end, it's where it's like takes this like sci-fi turn. And I I read it twice and I still don't know that I totally get it. But it seems like the curator of this area, and is, it, she, is she had a cafe or a museum? A cafe?
1: She's, yeah, I thought a that she was
0: like at a museum. It sounded like she was like there to like eat
1: she was on her way somewhere and she saw the thing and was like, she Well, I've just there. been staring at Nighthawks. So I'm going to go look at these other paintings because, you know, it's so interesting. And then while she's there, maybe she was on her way to a cafe and then it didn't satisfy her hunger. And that's why she ate the painting. And then the woman, who was basically the resident oh, uh, expert, yeah. and dragged her into an office.
0: Yeah. This is, I think, where I got confused because right before she, like, looks at the painting, she says she, like, recounts this flashback where, like, her and Luke are talking on oh, a trip that yes. they're on and she looks down into her cup and the next one is like in the center of the room. It's, it's, so it's yes. like, it's disembodied that way. I remember thinking like, wasn't she just like eating and drinking and then she's there. So I couldn't, at first I wasn't sure like where this was. Okay, but it, that doesn't matter. I was wrong. So yes, they're in a museum and so she just like goes to like kill time there. And when the curator takes her back, like you said, the curator's like, like, uh, you know, everyone that sees this happen and the cops and the security guards, whatever, they're all like, okay, like we're ready to do our part. And the, the lady's like, no, no no I need to talk to this woman you know this is bizarre but also she seems to know a little bit more about it she's she's more than curious about why Estelle did this it seems like she's like finally recognized someone else that like has seen something you know she's not just like let me talk to the mad woman she's like no I want to have a private conversation with her and then it seems like by the end she's kind of revealing to her that not everyone can even see Joe Hopper's work like it doesn't exist to most people and if Estelle saw it
1: you ate that painting you can see it
0: yeah and she's like and she's describing or showing her other works and she's like except they don't exist yeah. and I was like what do you mean
1: they all like turned to like char they said this whole portfolio yeah. was burned but you can you got to see them as vivid bright new paintings because you ate that other one and yeah. so I gotta give you this opportunity to see them before you leave Go because otherwise, yeah, otherwise you will have them. eaten that painting for
0: nothing yeah yeah you'll have eaten that painting for nothing and also it seems like that curator was trying to like pass on this message from Joe she's kind of like you were given this opportunity and so like we have to see it through before you go home and the curator doesn't get to really know Estelle it doesn't seem like you know so the connection is never really like directly made for the reader but you can kind of know by the end just from that brief thing that we see at the beginning with the husband it's like for Estelle if she was driven to madness you know to eat that painting it's probably because her husband's being a real dick and she probably feels a lot like this Joe Hopper you know and I thought it was just like so perfectly done it's it's nice and short we don't have to like read this long drawn out thing where like something happens after this you can just kind of assume she goes home and like tells her husband she had a nice afternoon you know and he doesn't ask anyway you know so who cares
1: yeah he doesn't
0: care yeah i know he'll never know about this
1: you wanted a ring i got you a ring you're yeah. in charge of everything else
0: yeah like she's trying to plan this wedding and you kind of hope that like she'll come to her senses but i think it's like i don't know i like that we don't see her like even revisit the husband we don't even see her reflect on that necessarily it's it's just that moment at the end and it, the curator's a woman too which i think is kind of key right it almost passes that like Bechtel test or whatever where like women are talking about something other than a man i mean they're talking oh. about joe but they're only talking about it in context of ed but anyway i think it's key that the curator's a woman too because she's like probably looking at her and if she knows enough about joe hopper she maybe is making these leaps but i just kind of like how it doesn't even show estelle go back to her home life it's just like at the end all that's like left on the page that you're kind of wondering about is this thing that she almost says about Joe.
1: Just one more thing about Joe the door had already closed.
0: Yes. And it doesn't matter what that is, you know,
1: there's an interesting ending. Right. Yeah. You know, the whole thing about like, you're obviously not allowed to ever come back in here, even though I gave you this amazing experience of being able to see these paintings and like you ate the painting. You're not allowed back. <laughs> you're but criminal. I respect what you did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> it's so weird.
1: This is like one of those things we talked about, about making connections, right? Like the narrative can make the connections for you. The character doesn't have to make them.
0: Yeah. I feel like I've talked about that recently in my workshop where it's like your character can fall on one end of the spectrum in terms of their Self awareness, but unless you've like made it kind of explicit for the reader, it's it can be kind of painful to read. Unless like the the disembodied narrator is making it apparent enough that like this is the connection that the character is even supposed to reach or like see.
1: Well, yeah, the character like this story, she doesn't have to consciously make those connections for us, but we can see them. And there's a reason that E Lily you put the first section in. She didn't start yeah. at the museum. She no. started with. The strange little exchange at home that got her to the museum. And right. so why did she connect those two things? There's there's right. a connection there.
0: It still works because we because E Lily U has done that work for us in engineering this story and starting it where she did and giving us the information we know about Hopper, about the wife, about Estelle, all of that kind of stuff. It makes it less about a weird thing where a lady like suddenly eats a painting and then find and then like gets to go into the Joe Hopper portal and more about you needed this experience because this is happening to you in real time. And what's great about it is how quickly she achieved that. All we needed to see is this husband be like kind of callous toward her and boot her out. You know, it's so brief, that kind of introduction that sets the scene. So I think it's a, I think it's also like a really good uh, example of like how quickly you can set up a story and just get into it. This was, this read so fast. And yeah. it's because it's like purely dialogue.
1: It's 4,000 words but it felt more like almost like flash Richard.
0: Yeah. When I sat down to reread it, I was like, I don't want to reread it. I was like, oh, wow that, that was quick like because it's, it's just there's nothing to it and it it starts where it needs to start it ends where it needs to end it still does this weird sci-fi thing I hate stories that are like I had to keep thinking about it after the fact to figure it out no not about that but I like stories that make me keep thinking about them because they've introduced something that seems really important that I'm fascinated by I, I hate when people are like Oh, I really had to think about that and then when I thought about it I figured it out I'm like dude if you had to think that hard about a story something was wrong and I don't think it's your brain I think it's a story when revelations happen off page see you next time. All the writer did was introduce a concept to you and any conclusion that you've reached is your own. And I don't know that it was the intention. I hate when people are like, I want to make people think. I'm like, no, you want to make people struggle. You don't have anything to say.
1: Yeah. There's a difference between, like, I think about that story, Cheever, the Cheever story, the swimmer, where he goes to all the pools. And a lot of people said, well, what does that mean? What is like, what does the visiting of all those pools mean? Like the story is literally about him swimming in different pools. Like that's what happens in this. story and time passes in a very strange way and then it ends and you can think about that and be like well that that could mean this and that can mean that or I can apply it to this situation or it kind of represents this kind of like journey of whatever and that's fine that means you're thinking about the story it's like that's what you want to do with the story but yeah. the story itself is very well done and so people what they do is they look at that kind of thing and they're like I want the story what I want from the story is for people to think about it when they're done I don't want them to just turn the last page and say, oh that's a good story and then forget it I want them to like have to think about it, and so they they believe somehow that that means you have to make it confusing, so that yeah. they need to do work and think about it for the next couple of hours after they finish to figure out what really happened in your story. Yeah, and that's not true. Like, what really happened in the swimmer is very obvious. Yeah, but you, you can do with it what you want when you're done. Yeah, same in here. This what happened in here is so obvious. It's like easy to see. It's right it, there, and it's well presented. It's perfectly cogent.
0: Yes, it's just anything i'm thinking about afterwards is because she did that so well not because yeah. she she failed to do it That's <laughs> yeah right. i i don't like having to like interpret something or wonder what happened like you said they also have this uh tendency to think that they need to confuse you in order for it to be like recognized as being well done somehow and it's like i don't need you to be ambiguous about it or like abstract about it you don't need to hint at these things you could just fucking tell me like just tell me i don't have to like yeah. read every sentence and have to figure every fucking sentence out that is not an enjoyable experience you know I think it matters like if you can or can't skim something and just like not get it when people are like no it was there on page seven in this sentence and I'm like well I checked out for a fraction of a second and I missed it and other people will too and I don't care if it's technically there it's not overarching
1: you can't bury it in your boring prose
0: that's what I mean yeah, it's like a treasure hunt. It's like, no, actually, it's there. See if you can find it. It's like when people like no one would read Harry Potter, even for like more than a chapter and forget that he's 12. Oh, so yeah. like when you're like reading a book and you're like, how old is this person? And they're like, I told you she's in college. I, I said right here. And it's like, right. But you haven't consistently characterized her in a way that makes me understand her. You haven't like, you know, it's not it's not like I'm being lazy. It's like she doesn't come across like a college kid, you know, like you've glossed past that because you don't even have a firm uh, grasp of the story or like character development or whatever like but people just love to quickly say no it's there you weren't paying attention like i wasn't paying attention and you suck too could be true
1: the reason i wasn't paying attention was because your pros bored the hell out of me
0: yeah it's terrible and
1: i was just looking at the words so i could get through it but i was yeah. thinking about something else i was thinking about apple pie because apple pie is good <laughs> yeah
0: yeah because you and know what is good is not <laughs> yeah I don't really know what my takeaway would be other than when I finished, I was still thinking about the dynamics between artists and then also it made me look up the Hopper stuff oh, and yeah. it made me want to read about Joe Hopper. I think there's something really cool when you've landed on something and I don't think you should just engineer this. I think if there's something that you're personally passionate about, whether it's like I don't know. The first thing that came to my mind was Garfield the Cat. But as a kid, I was also into Garfield the president. I'm in Ohio, right? Birthplace of... <laughs> he was born in my hometown, better. Or not born there but he lived there
1: man if his doctor had subscribed to the germ theory you know he wouldn't have been killed
0: yeah he would not have been assassinated successfully at least so if i'm really into james a garfield and how he died but it's not a common story that everybody doesn't know that the doctor like fished around in the wound without a glove and killed him. yeah
1: and kept his apron with all the blood on it as a badge of honor (laughs) yeah it's like i'm a good doctor because this apron is covered in other people's blood
0: yeah he literally lived for like another month with this wound he died Died a slow, horrible death. Anyway, if I'm enamored by that story and I think it's like something I think about all the time, it's not. But like maybe I know a little bit more than anyone else that's listening right now. This much more. If it's something that like you can introduce somehow or if there's something to do with that that you want to introduce to your story, that is an example of something that I think will make people think to themselves, that's that story that made me go and read about James A. Garfield, the president. And yeah. something like this is cool because she could have invented an artist. She could have known about the Hoppers and still invented artists whose paintings don't exist on Google for me to revisit. And I don't I don't think it's lazy for her to just like do it of real art, you know? No, it's great. And it's great to just like draw those conclusions. I don't even know how hard she had to really think to draw those conclusions because maybe she, maybe everybody knows about the hoppers that, you know, this was the common threat in their marriage, their competing careers. And she's just the first person that's written about it in this way. And it's cool because now I'm thinking about that. So I think that's just like, you can write about whatever you want, but if you want to introduce something like factual, whether it's like a cool little tidbit it or a real person's history whatever you want to do whatever parallels you draw or themes you come up with I think it's a cool way to get people to kind of tune in a little bit more to like pay attention a little bit more learn something yeah I know and like it's different than had she written a first person story about a real artist that actually ate a painting that's not what I'm talking about I'm not talking about like uh write something factual you know this is still sci-fi <laughs> it's still fantastic it's still weird you know but it's rooted in something true that I can then go and explore and And that's just a a neat thing to kind of do. So not all sci-fi has to be something, not all fantasy or whatever, any of this like speculative stuff. There's always truth to it. And that's why we like it, right? There's always something real that you can go and be interested in. Yeah. I'd
1: like to point out to the listeners of this podcast who do not get to see the video that there's a shelf full of Garfields (laughs) (laughs) behind Christine right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Not the president's the cat. I love the cat for real. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Thanks, Jim. So what's your takeaway?
1: Uh, My takeaway is, um, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with this takeaway. But when I read the moment when she's like, I'm just reading the story. It's like, I know it's an uncanny magazine and it's not supposed to be like just regular fiction, you know, like literary fiction what you or whatever. But I was reading it that way because it's just like this couple talking and then she goes to a museum. Then she ate a painting. And I was like, this is great. (laughs) I love this moment. So my takeaway is just like, make your characters eat paint things like this is such a great thing to do I like that so much um it's something that makes people sit up it's something that you pull the book closer to your face so you want to just get into the story more yeah and I like I said I don't know what to do with that like I'm just gonna let my characters go you know and that that's yeah. like my takeaway is just let my characters go
0: it's that intrusive thought we've all had them I have them all the time and yeah it's just kind of like what if I did that and then it's like oh my gosh she actually had them do that and it was so much cooler it takes you places
1: it doesn't have to be the weird, like, science fiction-y kind of thing or, or a weird, like, suddenly my character morphed into a bear and started, like, drinking tea. Whatever it is, like, it could be realistic, but it could be not something people do normally, right? Like, but just letting your characters go, like, it, you yeah. don't have to be shy about, like, who they are. Let them do with the things. And the story can follow up what happens. You know, like, uh, like Nettie in that story in The Swimmer, he went to every pool, you know, and then every. Yeah. And we got to a different pool somebody was like what are you doing right and so you just you just play that out
0: i think this is like the closest i can like you know when people say that they like invent a character and the character is so strong that they're just doing things on the page they just like let the character act I- i've never had that where i'm like oh yeah the character yeah. oh i was just inspired no like i'm always like having to think really hard but i think what's cool about this example of it is that when you do lean into something like outlandish like this intrusive thought it's just like the stuff that follows after you're coming up with it still but it's kind of like it allows you to say like what if this happened and now you're playing it through you're playing through something that like you would not have otherwise entertained on the page it's something so ridiculous and that's the closest I think I've ever come to like feeling like the story's telling itself or the characters acting on their own right it's when you introduce something and then you have to really think like what would happen next in this scenario well you can easily envision it in this scenario she gets in trouble everyone freaks the fuck out she gets called into an office almost arrested and then everything that happens after that is kind of like you know something that the reader or the writer had in mind before she started it, you know, but if you're looking to just kind of like do something, yeah, it's like lean into the ridiculous and the absurd and you'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. It doesn't have to be something you discover as you're writing. It can be part of your outline. Yes. my whole story is based around somebody doing something crazy and weird. And then you figure out where they come from. How does the story start? What happens next? And then you outline it. Then you can write it and you create a character that the character that would do that becomes your character. It's not something you have to discover in the moment. Right. But whichever way it happens.
0: Yeah. Whichever. Yeah. Yeah, whichever way it happens it's just kind of like you know if you don't have a story idea think of something crazy
1: <laughs> there you go that's perfect yeah <laughs>
0: great well thanks guys if you enjoyed this episode consider joining our patreon your support helps us keep the show running find out more at patreon.com slash why is this good podcast and for industry news, writing tips, and great short fiction, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Naples Writers Workshop. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter at napleswritersworkshop.com.